Brothers and sisters, let's hear the word of the Lord this morning from Revelation. To him who has loved us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Dear Lord in heaven, we pray that you would bless us once again with the opportunity to understand well what you have written here so that our lives might be transformed, so that you might be honored and pleased, and so that in all things we might lift up your name as glorious. We thank you in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Please be seated. And if you would, you can grab your Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 through 6. Revelation chapter 1, 5 or 6. The text that we're going to be looking at is also printed at the bottom of your bulletin, so you can kind of look through it along those lines. If you've been part of our worshiping community here at any point, uh, you know that largely we try to end every worship service with a benediction. Uh, that's not simply to tell you when it's time to go home or anything like that. The idea of a benediction has the, the concept that two different ideas are lurking behind it. Uh, the first is the idea that we have just spent an hour together worshiping. How do we want you to remember what has just taken place. So a good benediction is going to be one that kind of spurs your mind to some of the things that we've been singing, some of the things that the scripture we've read, the words that we've prayed together, all of those kind of things are going to kind of be summarized well in the benediction. Also, the benediction serves to remind us that this is just the beginning of our worship, that our worship of the Lord happens every minute of our lives, and so as we leave this place, we are leaving the place not just with having our worship completed, but rather being sent forward into the world. So the benediction kind of serves both as a summary of the past hour, but then also as a launching pad into the future. What we're going to do today is we're going to look at a benediction, Revelation chapter 1. If you were here during the fall, we had a series on Revelation, the first three chapters where we looked at the letters uh, that um, Jesus sent to the churches. And I tried, the best I could, to end each worship service we had with this benediction that is present in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. This benediction, then, I intend to serve two purposes. First off, as I was using it, if you're a member of our community, this has been the benediction that I have prayed for, that I have had in my mind all fall long. This is kind of the way in which I am hoping and what I have wanted for you to kind of innately capture as the framework to understand everything that you were experiencing. And so as is, hap as is popular during the end of a year, uh, I want us to look back at the previous year. I want you to look back at the previous year, and I want to give you a framework in which you can understand that year. Everybody here has had a different year. Uh, if you've had a great year, or if you've had a sorrow-filled year, or like most of us, you've had both the highs and lows throughout the year, what's the best framework to understanding that? Well, through my prayers for us and through the word in which we've been focusing on, I want to lift this as a possibility. Here's how you should think of your past year. But not just that, we're launching into a new year. And how do we, just like benediction wraps up a service and then sends us out into the week, 
So this benediction, I hope, will wrap up the past year and then send us into the upcoming year. How is it that I want you to think of everything that takes place this coming year? What's the framework? Now, there, there, again, there are going to be hundreds of thousands of things that take place where you're going to think to yourself, how do I understand this? How, how can I grab a hold of this? How do I understand God's work in my life in light of these things? I want this benediction to serve as a bit of a framework for you as you move into that time. Now, benedictions, uh, the very word means uh, good speech or a good word or something like that. Benediction. So the idea is that a benediction is here's the last opportunity for you to hear God's good word for you as you go out into the world. So normally it takes the, the pattern of some kind of a blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you his grace. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you his peace. That's a standard benediction. And as you hear it, you hear what I am saying to you or what God is saying to us is may these things happen to you. May you, may you embrace these kind of things. So a benediction that is centered around here are some good positive things that, the Lord, what, that we desire the Lord to do for us. That's a good benediction. It's the one that is directed for us to use in the scriptures, uh, and it's one which we popularly do use. It's a good benediction. May God do these great things in your life. This benediction is slightly different. I hope, like you, that this past week you got an opportunity to spend some time with family, uh, that it was a positive time for you. Uh, Kelly and I had the great joy of having our kids be in town over the weekend, or at least part of the weekend, and so we had the opportunity to uh, exchange gifts on Monday morning, uh, and so we gathered together. Uh, my daughter was able to come in, my son, and so we sat around together and we exchanged gifts. Now, my kids are a little bit older, and so their gifts were very thoughtful. They were very intentional. They were wonderful, and I appreciated them. But I've got to tell you that the real thing I appreciated was simply having the kids home. Some of you who are older know exactly what that's like. It's great to have the gifts, but what I really, really enjoyed was simply having the kids present. And that's what dominated my time. That's what dominated my thoughts. That's what dominated my prayers with our kids and our time with the family was not thanks for the great things that they have given, though they were great, but rather was just thanks for being here. This benediction that we're going to look at is a doxology. A doxology, again, is one of those words that means the words of praise or words of glory or something like that. This benediction that we're going to look at is not words saying, may God do these great things to you. It's may God be like this. It's talking to God. The reason why it serves as such a great benediction, I think, is because what we're going to do here is we're going to say, what's this benediction? What are we saying to God when we say these words? We're saying, God, this is what we think of you. And that is what shaped your past year. And that is what's going to shape your year going forward. Not necessarily all the wonderful things that God is going to give you, though that's true, but rather the opportunity you have to be in the presence of God. What does it mean to be in his presence? What does it mean for him to come and dwell 
with you. And for him to be there at every second of your past year and every second of the year moving forward. It is the joy uh, that is captured well in this benediction. So again, this benediction, the, the doxology, Revelation chapter 1, to him who, is lo who loves us. By the way, um, if you were really paying attention, I read it wrong when we read it when you were all standing and I read it initially. I read it to him who has loved us. If you've got the text in front of you, you can see it doesn't say who has loved us. It says to him who loves us. Uh, and, and, I, and I admit that I made that mistake. Now, before we look at that, though, I want us to recognize who we are talking about. To him, it says. If you have your Bibles open, you can read the context real quickly and realize that the him that we are speaking of, the person that we're speaking of, is Jesus Christ. And that comes really clearly through the rest of this this uh, text as well. Now, why is that important? When we think of praising God, when we think of singing to God, when we think of, of shaping my life around God, most of us think, and appropriately so, of God the Father. We think of the one who has initiated salvation, the one who had the plan of creation, the one who, who, makes the, who sets the ball in, in motion for us to be redeemed. We often give praises, and the scriptures often do this when they have a doxology saying, hey, praise to God, they usually have in mind either the God as the whole Godhead, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, or they have in mind the person of the Father. This doxology is a little different in that it has in mind the person of Jesus Christ. So what I want you to do is I want you to think not just in terms of here we're talking about generically about God up in heaven, but rather we are talking about the person of Jesus Christ. How do we understand the person of Jesus Christ in light of what has happened this past year for you and what is being launched into the future? To him, to Jesus Christ, who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Three descriptions of Christ, three descriptions of Jesus, two requests that we make of Jesus, and one response that we all have. Three descriptions of Jesus, two requests that we make of Jesus, and one uh, re response that all of us have. All right? First, to him, what are the three descriptions of Christ? Now, if I asked you to describe Christ, I'm not sure what you would say. I, my guess is that a lot of us would say, hey, he's the guy who died on the cross. He's my savior. He's my Lord. He healed people. He taught. He did all these wonderful things. Each one of these things could have been included in that statement, but they're not. This statement draws out three specific things and again, my understanding is that these are the three specific things that I want you to use while thinking of your past year. These are the three specific things that I want you to have in your mind as you look at the year going forward. What's the first thing? To him who loves us. All right. It is passe to talk about God's love. God loves us. You hardly have to be a Christian to hear that kind of language or believe it. As a matter of fact, our world is, I think, somewhat obsessed with that idea, talking about the love of God. 
But they talk about that love of God completely generically, in, a, in an overarching sense that has no specificity, no, nothing you can hang your handle on. It, it's just this sentimental idea that God, the big guy up in sky, wherever he is, he generically loves all of us. That's not at all what this text is implying. If you look at this passage, it says to him, to Jesus Christ, who loves us. And then it describes that love by he's freed us from our sins. He has made us a kingdom. We are priests before the God. In other words, what is this love? This love is just not a generic good feeling that God has for you. This is a love that has worked itself out in specific ways in your life. But, this is what I wanted to emphasize earlier with the tense of this word. Notice what it says. It does not say that God loved you. I, I run into a lot of believers, a lot of Christians. Most of them don't have hesitations. They don't have problems recognizing that at some point in their past, God had showed his love to them, either through creating them or through first sharing the gospel with them or through their conversion to Christ or through, okay, saying, yes, God loved me somewhere in the past. That makes sense. And then there's this generic sense that God loves everybody. Okay, that covers me too. But that's not what this text says. This text puts the idea of God's love in the present. That means not just that it's happening right now, but that it's an ongoing thing. I wish for you to read this like this. To him who is loving us, to him who is loving us, that is that every experience that you went through this past year, every experience, that you went through this past year is shaped and is understood first and foremost by the fact that God is loving you, that Christ is loving you. Now, I, I know how hard that is to, and, and people easily mock Christians for saying this, but that's what the scriptures tell us is true. The horrific things that you experienced in school the meanness of your friends, the tragedies that have happened in your life, the, the horrific paths that you have led yourself down through your sin, every step along that way, the framework to understand it begins with the description here that Jesus is loving you. Jesus is loving you. And as you move into the future, what is going to mark What's the primary thing that's going to mark your daily life in 2023? It is the fact that God is loving you. Not that he has loved you, thank the Lord that he has, but that he is loving you. When you experience the joy in your life, when things are really working the way they're supposed to, when there's that sense of satisfaction and joy, the reality is Christ is loving you. And when you have wickedly difficult times, times that boggle your mind and that have no good explanation, the one thing the scriptures reiterate over and over again is that Christ is loving you. 
First description here is that Christ is loving us. Secondly, he has freed us from our sins by his blood. Jesus has freed us. Now, notice that this is not future, not present tense. This is past tense, and indeed it is. The point of this is not that Jesus is freeing you from your sins. No, the point is that Jesus has freed you from your sins. This past year is marked for every Christian in this room as one where you have been freed, where you have been freed from your sins. And everything that happens in 2023 is marked by the reality that you have been freed from your sins. That's mind That is, your whole life should be shaped and molded by that reality. My life is freed from sin. Now, what does that mean? We are freed. The point is that we are no longer captive. We are no longer trapped. To, free, to be freed is to be loosened from all of that. We are freed from our sin. Now, does that mean that none of us ever sin? No, clearly not. What does it mean to be freed from sin? Does that mean that I can sin and not suffer the consequences? Clearly not. What does it mean? I mean, it, this is dominant, and I'm trying to say that this should utterly shake the way in which you view 2022 and the way in which you're viewing 2023. And the reality is, is what does it mean that we are freed from sin? Because we still do it. We're still victims of it. We're still perpetrators of it. What does it mean then that we are freed from sin? It means in short that we are freed from the guilt of our sin. Every Christian in this room is freed from the guilt of their sin in 2022 and you are already freed from the guilt of your sin in 2023. I cannot imagine that that would not vastly shape and change the way that you live your everyday life. Why are we freed from that? We are freed from our sins by his blood. Now, this is not that he has some supercharged hemoglobin or something like that. You know, the idea isn't that there's some magic that is in, in his blood vessels or something along those lines. This is shorthand in the scriptures for our death, for his death. We are freed by his death. This is a focus absolutely upon the cross of Jesus Christ. And if you cannot think through 2022 without focusing upon the loving character of Jesus Christ. You cannot think through 2022 or anticipate 2023 without recognizing the cross of Jesus Christ and the emphasis of the cross of Jesus Christ. So he has loved us. He is loving us. He has freed us from our sins and thirdly, the third description of Jesus here, he has made us a kingdom. He has made us a kingdom. Now, once again, just reading carefully, we can see certain things. It's not that he has made you a kingdom. It's not that he has made us 
to be kingdoms. It is that he has made us to be a kingdom. Now, a kingdom, of course, implies a king. And the king is not you, and the king is not me. The king, of course, is Jesus Christ. But he has made us, all of us, collectively, to be a kingdom. We can't understand. Of all the things that Jesus Christ is, this doxology, this praise, says, look, I want you to think about Jesus this way. First off, that he is loving you. Second off, that he has died for you to free you from your sins. And thirdly, that he made you to be a kingdom. What does that mean? All of us, collectively, are part of that kingdom that is ruled by the king, Jesus Christ. What does that mean for us? Well, we are to be priests to God. We are to be priests to God. Uh, Unless you have an Anglican background or a Lutheran background or a Catholic background, the idea of being a priest just sounds weird or wrong. But a priest is one who ministers, who serves. That's the same word here. And so what we have here is a picture that Jesus Christ, in 2022, take a second and think of all the great things that happened in 2022. Think of all the hard things that happened in 2022. And all of those things are shaped by the fact that you have been called as a minister to serve God. The terrible things that happened the terrible things that are going to happen in 23 are here so that you might serve God because he has made you a kingdom, priest for his Lord. And all those great things, the joyous moments when everything is functioning the way it should, every one of those moments are opportunities for you to serve your God. That's what Jesus is described as being. That's a framework for you to say. So when you go in March and something is happening in your life, what I want you to do is sit there and I want you to say, no, wait a second. My Lord is loving me. My Lord has freed me already from the guilt of sin. And my Lord has called me into his service. What's the primary way I look at the passing of my parents, the chaos of my family, the difficulty of my job, the frustration of my car, you look at it and say that all of this is Jesus is loving me, Jesus has freed me, and Jesus has called me into his service. Three descriptions of Jesus, two requests. First request to God, to him be glory, to him be glory, to God be the glory. Now, what do we mean by that? First off, it's important to recognize this, that we do not give to God anything he does not already have. We do not give God glory like he's up there saying, boy, I wish I had some glory around here. Where's my church? Where's my church to give me glory? It's not that Jesus is somehow wanting for us to fill his tank full of glory. 
The reality is that God has all the glory. God is glorious in every measurable way. The glory of God shines in every aspect of this world, in every aspect of your life. And so here what we have is not, gee whiz, we need to give God something he doesn't have. Rather, what we're saying is, God, to you be the glory. May that be manifested in my life. May your glory shine in everything that I do. May every aspect, every step, every character of my life be shaped and molded in such a way that glory, that your glory shines more clearly because it's already here. The majesty, the wonder, the glory of our God is already shining itself in every possible way. And what we're saying in this benediction is as we leave this church today, as we look at 2023, may every aspect of my life shine the glory of God. That's what we're asking. Secondly, and dominion. May glory and dominion be yours, O Lord. What is dominion? Dominion is authority. It's power. It's strength. It's majesty. And once again, we don't give any of those things to God. He already has them. What we're saying is, Lord, in my life, show this character so dominantly. Reflect this reality so powerfully that in everything I do, your dominion, your authority shines through. What does that mean? It means nothing more than trust. Nothing more than faith. Lord, be glorified. Have dominion. He already does. So what we're saying is, help me think of 2022 as that time where you were glorified, where you ruled over all things. And help me, when I think of 2023, to be shaped by the reality that you are glorious and that you have full dominion and authority in every way and in all aspects. Three characteristics, three descriptions of Jesus. He loves us, he has freed us, and he has called us to himself. Two requests that we're asking. Lord, make my life in 23 be one where I can manifest even more, where I can show to the world even more your glory and make my life shaped around the reality that you have dominion in every aspect of my life. Three characteristics, three descriptions of Jesus, two requests, one response. What is the response from those whom God has touched? Amen. Amen. Now, most of us use that phrase, means period. It's over, done. You no longer, you know, we no longer, we can now fall on the food or, you know, the sermon is finished or something like that. Do I end with amen? I might end with amen. I'll try to today. You know, so amen means we're done. But again, if you've been around the church long enough, you know that that's not what the word means. The word doesn't mean it's over now. It means let it be so. Make it so in my life. Now, this is, a, amen was a tradition that the Jewish 
uh, developed in the Jewish synagogues and stuff that after reading, after hearing the scriptures, everybody would respond with amen. And the word has a singular characteristic to it. Not, yes, Lord, we agree, make it so, in our lives, but yes, Lord, I agree, make it so in my life. And so when we say amen, the word here is not saying, yes, God, we know you're going to do this in our lives or we know you're going to do this in this community. It's, yes, Lord, I know you're going to do that in my life. Yes, Lord, I want you to do that for me. The response of every believer is to say, yes, Lord, I hear you are a loving God. Yes, Lord, I hear that you died for the guilt of my sin. Yes, Lord, I hear you have called me into service. Be glorified, show your dominion in all things, and make it happen with me. Amen.